This is Haunted America Radio. With your host, Al Shepard. And now, Haunted America Radio. This episode is part of a conversation I had with Dustin Perry from Ghost Hunters back in 2009. All right, any of you that have been to his website know why I chose that music. Ghost Hunters International, probably one of the few normal paranormal researchers. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy to have Dustin Perry here with us. Dustin, how you doing? I'm doing great, Al. How you doing tonight, brother? I, I, I really wish I could show that video on the radio, but I couldn't quite figure out how to do it. Indeed, <laughs> uh, brother. That's uh, that's a YouTube point. <laughs> That that was just uh, that was just too much. Thank you, man. I do what I can. I'm a big guy. I'm a big fan of, uh, of Supernatural. So when I saw they had that at the end of one of their episodes, I'm like, that's something I'm going to have to do for myself. Personally, I don't know that much about you. So um, I mean, I know what I see on TV, and and of course everybody knows that. So so right. I'm a, I'm a little more interested in the before and after type thing. So. How did you get started, or when did you get started with, with an interest in the paranormal? Uh, my my, uh, my earliest beginnings, uh, my first interest in the field happened uh, when I was around eight or nine years old. I grew up in a little house in Providence, Rhode Island, and um, I had a, uh, a nighttime encounter with a shadow figure, uh, which had uh, actually woke me up from a sound sleep, and it was in the doorway, and uh, I was absolutely petrified. Uh, I didn't know what to do. The thing just was kind of lingering there, and I just kind of, Stuck my head under the covers and lay there shaking and pretty much didn't get to sleep for the rest of the night. Uh, I was just terrified by the whole thing and I uh, never saw anything while I was there, but it was that first encounter that really kind of uh, got me into it. Um, I was always a big uh, big fan of uh, the Halloween uh, experience. That whole time of year was always fantastic for me, especially growing up in New England. So I was able to uh, to get wheels, you know, since uh, me and my buddies turned 16, we started checking out all the uh, local hotspots, all the... Uh, little abandoned places in the woods and stuff, just trying to, uh, you know, scare ourselves for the most part. Uh, and then from there, it, it just kind of took off into something that uh, I became more and more interested in, started researching more. And uh, I was laying in my bed one night, and I happened to catch the tail end of Ghost Hunters. This was in their first season. And I was like, oh, it's a pretty decent show. I have to catch it out again. And uh, actually, it took me a couple of times before I caught the whole show. And then in the beginning, I had seen pictures of uh, Warwick, Rhode Island, which wasn't far from where I was. Uh, so I just kind of went and... Uh, Sent some emails and made a pest of myself until they uh, took me under their wing and uh, they told me I wouldn't be on the program, which was no problem. I just wanted to actually work with a group in which I would be able to get access to places because I was tired of getting ha- you know, harassed by the police and such. So it worked out from there. They put me on a couple of home cases and they put me on the show. Uh, and it was a crazy ride from there, man. You know, I, uh, I left uh, I left those hunters after a couple of seasons because I wanted to get married and start a family. And, uh, you know, I didn't really want to uh, stay on the road doing that kind of stuff. Um, I've always been a hardworking guy, working a regular couple of jobs back here. And uh, they started GHI. They gave me a call, said, you want to come uh, on board this new project? And uh, unfortunately, I couldn't do it at the time because uh, my youngest one, my little daughter, was just born. And uh, I really needed that bonding time. But, uh, you know, came around. The opportunity presented itself again. And my wife and I talked it over and decided it was a good opportunity for us. So, uh, you know, I'm back in the business. Uh, so, you know, I never really get out of it as far as uh, 
the field itself. But uh, the television end of it, I thought I was done with. Uh, I wasn't a big uh, seeker of fame. But, you know, you take what, uh, what comes down the pike, and uh, you're uh, thankful for your blessings, and that's where I ended up. So like I said before, you, you seem to be the, the normal level-headed ghost hunter person, you know? I mean, anyone else probably would have threw the kids to the side and headed for Hollywood or something. And I really respect you for, for keeping your priorities straight. It's, uh, it is a constant struggle, I'll tell you that, man. You know, even especially doing international, uh, being away from the wife and, uh, and the children is very, very difficult. I'm always out there, you know. It's very common for the guys to find me kind of alone in my room, just kind of fighting with myself about it just internally. I just get very upset. I'm like, you know, am I being a good father? You know, being away from them, I feel like I'm being a horrible dad. But at the same time, I feel that uh, part of that role is, uh, is the father is also a provider for the family, and uh, that's what I'm trying to do. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a double-edged sword, of course, but I make the most of the time I can when I'm home. And, uh, you know, we have a nice couple of months break now, so uh, just working my couple of regular jobs to keep things uh, going back here and doing the appearances and such and some guest investigations and just checking out some local places with my buddies. But it's good to keep it real, you know. I've never been one of those star-eyed Hollywood types. Can I ask what your regular jobs are? Sure. Um, I have a couple that I uh, that I keep going here. Um, since I'm away so long, I just kind of uh, relinquished it to part-time status. When I was back here, I had two full-time jobs and one part-time. So I really wasn't home much anyway. But now uh, now when I come back, I work as an anesthesia technician uh, part-time for uh, facial and, uh, and oral uh, cosmetic surgery. Um, I also work in uh, advertising and marketing as a uh, an editor, a writer, and a uh, camera operator. And then uh, I also uh, moonlight part-time as a uh, uh, audio and video operator for the uh, Pawtucket Red Sox, which is uh, Boston's uh, local minor league affiliate. Without getting into details, does the show pay you enough to make it worthwhile to tromp all over the world like that? Yeah, well, you know, they uh, they take good care of us. You know, that's uh, you know, when I first started out, obviously, it was a, it was a different time and everything. But, uh, you know, the, the people at Pilgrim Films have always been very good to me. I've never really uh, had any issues with them. So uh, it's I think they do a great job with uh, with all their programming. Me, personally, you know, they, they make it worth my while to go out there and stuff. Uh, you know, like I said, it, it's still a struggle. You know, economy's tough. Things are crazy. Uh, I'm not going to buy any uh, brand-new sports cars anytime soon. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, everything's cool. It's uh, and plus, you know, coming from uh, from the standpoint of somebody who's been interested in the field for so long, uh, there's a lot of reward in that uh, because I remember watching, you know, the Travel Channel and stuff and seeing these haunted places across the world and thinking, wow, I'd love to go to these places. There's no way I'll ever get to, you know, I'm always going to be stuck in the local places around here. Um, so, to, so to be watching something on TV one day and then all of a sudden to be there uh, a couple of years later, it's just, it's unbelievable. I remember uh, one that really stands out to me, uh, the case itself turned out to be horrible uh, from a paranormal standpoint with being uh, Vlad Dracula's castle in Romania. I remember watching that and seeing all the stairs you'd have to climb and seeing the view from the top and I was like, wow, that place is fantastic. And then we get there. We did a great two-night investigation. It was raining one night. We were carrying all the stuff up the stairs every night. There's like 1,500 stairs. It's ridiculous. And nothing ever showed itself, you know, not, not the faintest thing. But I remember just standing up there and looking down and thinking, you know, I'm actually here. You know, how many people can, uh, can say that they've traveled to this place and, and, you know, are standing where I'm standing now? How many countries have you been to now? Well, I've lost track. I've lost track myself. Um, I've got two passports, and both of them are pretty filled up. It's, uh, it gets pretty crazy. Um, you know, they, they keep us moving. When we're on the road, it usually takes us two weeks to film one episode. And within that two weeks, we're in two locations within a country, usually. And we're on the road for, you know, maybe a month at a time. So we hit, you know, between two and three countries uh, every road trip, depending uh, on uh, time and how the episode's coming along. So uh, it gets pretty crazy. And, you know, as, uh, as you were saying about the Houghton Mansion, 
you know, because we were just up there recently doing that uh, investigation. It, uh, that place is fantastic. It's a beautiful place. Uh, I like the history with the old uh, Masonic uh, Lodge in there. There's definitely some some weird things going on there. Uh, nothing that I was able to uh, to capture myself, but I have uh, received uh, some uh, emails and stuff from people who were with us that night. Uh, it was captured in EVP or so. Uh, so it was a pretty interesting place. Though. Traveling all these different countries, do you ever run into any any problems with the uh, well you'd probably tell me there's always some issues you know obviously the language barrier is always something you know everybody on the team uh, even though they don't show it on every episode uh, sometimes they throw it up on the web everybody on the team gets uh, between six and twelve questions usually each one of us uh, will get those translated by a local so we can use them in our EVP sessions to try to branch out to languages that were spoken there before or spoken there at the time my little bit of high school Spanish only goes so far like I can translate very well if I was like talking to somebody like Dora the Explorer but when it comes to actually walking around trying to talk to the local people I get a little lost but you know it, it goes okay uh, language barriers probably first and foremost customs is always an issue I've learned not to put down that I'm a paranormal investigator because they just look at you like you're crazy and then you get detained and they ask all these questions. It's tough enough as it is to get in and out of places. So that's always something else. And for me personally, the toughest part is the food. It's a very finicky eater. And a lot of places we go aren't really, uh, they don't cater to my specific taste, that's for sure. So, uh, so it becomes a little bit of a challenge. Sometimes I live on, uh, on peanut butter and bread. But hey, you know, whatever works, whatever will get me through there. Yeah, well, you strike me as a burger and fries kind of guy, so... Uh... No, actually, no, not at all. No? No, no, I'm, I don't like fast food at all. Actually, when I'm on the road, uh, McDonald's, I probably eat more McDonald's on the road than I ever do when I'm at home. I'm more into pizza and pasta and straight-up uh, Italian kind of thing, so uh, so I do okay with that. But uh, a lot of these other countries, man, they love seafood, so anytime you try to get pasta, there's a pound of seafood on top of it, and that doesn't work out for me. I've only been on the planet 30-something years, and I've already peed in the ocean enough to know that I should be eaten out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never thought of that. Dinosaurs that are dead in there, mobsters, all kind of stuff I don't want to be eating off of. We, we've got our quote of the day right there. Um, so you're on a break now, is it? Back yeah, here kind of uh, going from place to place here in the States? And, uh, yeah, I'm a, on a break from filming for GHI. Um, right now there's a couple episodes of GH, uh, the, the original domestic show, uh, that are airing that uh, that I appeared in. I came back um, from filming GHI and filmed a couple episodes with these guys. Steve and Tango were off doing uh, Ghost Hunters Academy. So uh, for the next couple of weeks, uh, I'll be on the new episodes of Ghost Hunters. And then, of course, there's uh, new episodes of Ghost Hunters Academy right after that, which is doing very well. And, of course, we're all very proud of Steve and Tango for their accomplishments with that one. And so, yeah, in the meantime, um, I'm actually working on, on the second book with Barry. We've uh, been writing away on that one, uh, a follow-up to our, our, our book we just put out called The Complete Approach. And then I'm just, you know, doing some local events, traveling a little bit around the country. Uh, I've been speaking to some colleges uh, and things like that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about your book called The Complete Approach. So I, uh, I assume it's the, uh, I haven't got to read it yet, The Complete Approach to Ghost Hunting, I I'm, I'm guessing it's uh, the complete approach uh, as, uh, as the best we could put it out there uh, to paranormal investigating. We try to combine uh, the scientific approach, which is uh, you know the the measurement standard that we're, we go by, because uh, we don't want to just go off impressions and stuff that people get. But at the same time, we thought it was very important to include a little bit of the metaphysics and about you know how different realities are viewed and such, how some of these theories can actually tie together. I think for too long uh, you've seen researchers that have gone one way or the other. You know, it's either the uh, the New Age bookstore and, uh, you know, the meditation books and uh, psychic impressions, or it's uh, DVR cameras, EMS gauges, uh, and uh, you don't see a crossover between the two. You know, we don't we don't use mediums and stuff uh, on the program, but uh, I think there is something to be warranted, uh, to be said that uh, if you combine the two, 
you can you can kind of use these uh, impressions to find out maybe where to better target, uh, you know, better to point your equipment. I mean, anything that will get us better results and, uh, and more answers uh, is something that, uh, you know, I'm definitely willing to be a part of. Well, that's it. A lot of the groups that we discuss here on the show from time to time, they're, it seems like they're just more interested in catching that one piece of evidence, uh, the EVP or the uh, or the video clip or something that they can throw yeah. up on their website. Uh, it, but, you know, yeah, they're not interested in anything that can't be documented and shown off to someone else, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the paranormal community has become, you know, who's got the biggest EMF detector? It's just like, it, that's not what it's about, you know? To me, I don't even like the term ghost much myself. I, I, I'm looking at more of a uh, spirit as a human spirit kind of thing. It becomes a very spiritual quest for me. Uh, I, don't, I don't need to validate anything from my own belief system, but I think that uh, what we're capturing and what we're talking to and then what we're taking photos of, I think is, is very important to think about on a higher level and to look at the big picture. You know, are we actually capturing uh, evidence of some sort of afterlife? And I think that's the question that really drives me forward. That's the thing that I'm really looking at. And I don't want just a, a cool picture to put up on a website somewhere. I want to try to build this thing together to get the, the final answer. Yeah, that, uh, and Josh and I talk about this a lot. You know, he's he's the paranormal investigator, and he's into going into a house and, and trying to validate the presence of someone who hasn't crossed over yet. Right. And my angle that I come at it, I, I read The Voices uh, from Eternity by Sarah Estep, the, I believe she was the founder of the AAEVP. And over a 20-year period, she simply sat in her office and turned on a uh, tape recorder 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes at night, and after a while started actually speaking and getting messages from people who were already in heaven who have crossed over and right. were talking back to her and, and describing to her what it was like in heaven. And, and that's the angle I'm really interested in is is I want the people that have already crossed over to tell me what to expect when I get there, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's what I want to know about. No, I totally agree. And, you know, that's the beautiful thing about it, too. I mean, we, you know, we're at a standpoint and we're at a, uh, a point on GHI where uh, we're very fortunate to travel to all these incredible places and with this rich, uh, lush history. But, you know, spirit is uh, is everywhere. I mean, you, you can do EVP sessions within your home, regardless of, of there being uh, history there or not. There's still a chance that you may, uh, you know, through a repetitive and regimented schedule, you may be able to attract somebody uh, or something, rather, that you can hopefully do uh, consecutive EVP sessions with and perhaps establish some sort of relationship and get some sort of answer. Yeah, exactly. That That's basically what she said. It took her about six months for them to realize that, hey, she's serious and she's doing this every day at the same time. And it got to the point where she says that they would actually be there in her office waiting for her to turn the recorder on so they could start talking because they just wanted to build their guts to her so bad. And, and like 100 different people would show up there. And over a 20-year period, she's got a ungodly amount of, uh, of recordings, I guess. So that's just a part that and uh, Bob Monroe's books about his uh, out-of-body experiences and, and how he traveled to different places and around and here and there in different dimensions and all that really right. intrigues me as well. So where can we find your first book? Uh, it's uh, on Amazon.com. It's on um, it's on BarnesandNoble.com. Barnes & Noble, most of the stores got a limited uh, run of them. They were kind of sold out uh, when they came in. But uh, if you go and ask your local Barnes & Noble store to order the complete approach, they can pick it up for you. And then Barry and I have a website, Complete Approach Book. Dot com, uh, and you can order it through there, which links to Amazon and Barnes & Noble as well. 
Okay. Now, what is the uh, what's the second book going to be about? The second book is uh, is uh, I can't get into it too much because I don't want somebody to steal it before I get it out there. Now we're hoping to get it out um, in the uh, early part of next year, and it's going to be looking more at the paranormal from a global standpoint. You know, like I said, we're, we do uh, spend time in these countries not uh, just to film the show, but uh, you know we're there for at least uh, a week or two weeks at a time. So Barry and I have been trying to meet with locals at each place uh, and uh, speak to them about their views on the paranormal field where we're chronically we're uh, we're writing down the uh, the differences uh between them um but uh we're really focusing on the characteristics that seem to be uh breaking the language barriers and breaking the borders and it really seems to be uh to yielding some interesting results be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode where we continue our conversation this is haunted america radio where we're always in good spirits